it's our frustration episode. Tonight, we'll have some therapy for you for what can go wrong in fantasy baseball. We'll talk about all the different ways you might be frustrated, when to panic, when to act, and what to do. Plus, we'll have our waiver wire picks and injury update as always. Howard Bender of SiriusXM joins us next on the Beat the Shift podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, other than my voice is back to being a little bit hoarse. But uh, otherwise, happy Cinco de Mayo to you, Ruven. Did you celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Um, Not so much. I mean, the patients, I, I work in the Bronx, and so some of them do celebrate it there, but I don't really as much. Sounds good. Well, we have a fantastic show today. Want to welcome our guest to the show, Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm and Sirius XM Radio. Welcome to the show, Howard. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure to, uh, to get a chance to talk to you. Absolutely, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you. I did. I, I was forced into celebrating Cinco de Mayo because... Uh, I had Hunter Green active in, uh, in in a pair of leagues, and so you know, giving up five home runs on Cinco de Mayo, uh, I figured, all right, let me just have uh, these five bottles of whiskey to take that pain away. So you t- you took a shot after each home run, I assume, correct? I drank a whole bottle after each oh. home run. It's a, it's a wonder <laughs> that I'm actually speaking at this moment right now, Reuven. Uh, good stuff. I'm actually a three quarters uh, a Mexican, so I do celebrate. What'd you do today? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not three quarters Mexican. <laughs> okay. He's far from it. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to see how long I could play that joke. <laughs> well, now nah, I I, uh, I celebrated. I had a burrito for lunch. That was my celebration. Anyways, you come here for some fantasy advice and some good baseball talk. So <laughs> let's get into that. Um so, uh, first of all, uh, we know that, uh, Howard, you're in the same TGFBI league as Ruvain. Uh, maybe you guys can give us the update. How are you doing? Are we panicking? What's going on? <laughs> um, Ruvain, you want to take this one? Because uh, <laughs> I got some issues. You have issues, but I think a lot of your issues have to do with injuries. I don't think you're doing anything wrong per se. I think your problem is just injuries, and that's something that you really can't control. There's very little you can control about that. I'm currently in seventh place, which is not too bad. I was I was flirting with first th- top three for the past couple of weeks, but uh, my hitting my hitters have actually gone cold a little bit, so I'm a little bit down now. But otherwise, I'm really happy with my where my pitching is. I think I just have issues with my hitters. Yeah, for me, it's it's definitely it's the injury bug. I mean, listen, I took Jacob Degrom in the second round. That was you know it was it was risky um, to do it there anyway. But you know there was a point where where Degrom looked absolutely insane uh, during the spring. Obviously, well, I mean we we had a pretty slow draft, so we basically we we could have probably have taken uh, done the uh, second round like the day before the season opened. Um, maybe because it just took forever to get this going. But DeGrom in the second round, Eloy Jimenez, yeah, I lost him. That definitely sucked. Um, I was doing, I was doing all right. I mean, I'm, I'm short on on home runs and RBI in that league, and uh, that's you know an evidence why. 
Um, I, I think my pitching was doing okay until, you know, all of a sudden it was like Hunter Green just got destroyed. And the one that really kind of bit me in the butt really for a, a while here was Chris Woodward not giving the, the closer job to Joe Barlow right from the start. I mean, you know, I, I held on to him, so I'm, I'm reaping benefits now, but you know, trying to go cheap on the uh, on the on on closers later on, and being speculative on uh, on that San Diego bullpen before the Taylor Rogers trade. So I got I got burnt on that uh, on that front there. So um, having to focus on saves uh, during the you know over the course of the season in a 15 teamer really kind of you know puts me behind. I'm going to end up having to like eat a ton of fab just on uh, on on working on saves. Did you take did you take DeGrom in the second round because I took Max Scherzer right before you because I drafted right before you and I took Max Scherzer. If Max Scherzer was on the board, would you have taken him instead of DeGrom there? I'm trying to remember exactly when the the draft started, but that does sound obviously familiar uh to me on that. You've got a a, a number of guys on your team, Reuven, besides Scherzer, um where I think we kind of uh we we kind of overlapped uh, here and there. I'm trying to look right now. Oh, the, the big one here, Chris Bassett was a huge poach. Um, I was, I, I wanted him. Um, who else did you, uh, did you snag right before me? There were a couple of guys. I can't remember. I'm looking at, I'm looking at what's really funny is I'm looking at the odd rounds right now being like, how did I leave that guy for Reuven? What the hell was I thinking here? Tim Anderson, I gave you Byron Buxton. Jordan Romano, I mean that guy is just out of his mind with saves right. And that he was my target for my number one closer, so I had my, my eyes on him. And if he, as long as he made it back to me, he was not getting back to you. I'll tell you that. There you go. Well, tonight is our frustration episode, and we're going to talk about, I guess, <clears throat> being frustrated on your teams. But of course, that's not helpful to be frustrated. It's helpful to talk about how to overcome this frustration, when to know when to roll with the punches, when to know not to panic, when to have a sense of desperation and what to do about it. So we'll give you a little bit of advice on that. So uh, first of all, the question for you, Howard, is when do you start actually looking at category standings and when do you actually look at where you are in the overall? I guess, obviously, everybody uh, checks, oh, look, I'm in third place. Look, I'm in fifth place. Everybody looks at it. But when do you really say, okay, this is real. I, I'm now in ninth place. This is real. I need to do something uh, before I actually get set. And where do you actually look at the individual categories? Okay, I'm really down on homers. Now I got to make a change. I got to make a trade. I got to pick up different guys. I got to play homers guys, not steals guys. W- when do you do those things and when do you self assess? I mean, it's kind of right about now where we are, right? You go a month through the season. Uh, the hot starts are going to start to cool off. The cold starts are going to start to heat up. When the weather starts to change, you know, a little bit, you want to try and see what's going on. But I mean, listen, I'm I'm monitoring my place in the categories every step of the way because, you know, if you fall too far behind, it becomes a real hassle to try and catch up. So if you are lagging, like for example, I'm lagging in saves, and I'm going to need to make you know some moves there because if I don't. Um, well, then I'm, I'm kind of screwing myself over here because I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I, I can get maybe like one or two points, uh, but I would prefer to end up, you know, being in a spot in the, uh, in the category where, 
you know, a, a handful of saves can give me a five or a six point jump, something like that. So I, I'm definitely monitoring it all the time. Uh, but like right about now, this is where I want to make sure that I don't fall too far behind, um, especially when you're talking about just regular flat out counting stats. Like, um, you know, in um, what you would call it, I, I'm, I'm low in, uh, in, in the Barf League, the Bay Area Roto Fantasy League. Um, I've been I've been like floating there between sixth and ninth place um, this season, but I need home runs and RBI. And if I don't make a move in that soon, in order to you know enhance these categories, um, I do run the risk of falling too far back. Yeah, no, I totally agree with a lot of what you said there, um, especially the the categories with a low quantity of stats like stolen bases, saves. I mean, if you're down by ten saves. That's already meaningful at this point. Uh, the general gauge is a month into a season for the categories for me. Um, for the overall standings, I actually uh, have calculated that over the years, June 5th, so two months into the season, is really the day where it gets meaningful. There's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of volatility in the first two months. Uh, as long as I'm not in 15th, if I'm in 9th, 7th, you can bounce around quite a bit for the first two months. Once you hit June 5th in general then it's already time, okay, I'm in seventh. This is a mid-story. I found that the highest correlation, or the the significance of correlation really hits June 5th. This year it's going to be June 11th because we're a week week later in the season, but to the two-month point for that. But categories, as you say, is uh, the first month. Ruvain, you agree? No, actually, I don't. I think it's a little bit later than that. First of all, looking at statistical categories, I happen to think that around June 1st is better because... A lot of these players, just like Howard, you mentioned, the hot starts are cooling off, the cold starts are starting to heat up, and at usually around June 1st is when players you'll know what the player is for the entire season. You'll know whether or not they can keep it up. Look at Jazz Chisholm last year. His first five weeks, six weeks, he was off the charts, and after that, Same as he, this you, year. You, you, you can't find him. So I think June 1st is probably the best time to look at the categories and be able to assess that way. I mean, either way, you're going to be looking at the, the categories when, you, when you're going through the fab and you don't want to fall like you too far behind in saves and everything like that. And actually looking at the overall standings, I think closer, I'd say, to my birthday, which is June 27th, which is about two weeks or two and a half weeks before the All-Star break. Because at that point, you'll know whether your team has a chance because that's when teams start to consider who they're going to trade. And you have to figure out who you're going to pick up. And, and you'll know you'll have a better idea of which, uh, which players you need to replace. And, and you can see whether or not you even have a chance of winning the league. Yeah. It also depends on the category is right. I mean, the power, home runs, uh, you have fewer home runs in April typically than in other months. So there is more opportunity to gain later. Stolen bases is interesting. Most people don't realize this. But stolen bases are actually most plentiful in the first month of April. And then they get more plentiful in the last half of August and in September. Uh, with some of the call-ups and, you know, different players trying. Uh, but stolen bases are actually very important early on because you have much more stolen bases in April than you do in May or than you do in June. So interesting to uh, sparse it by that. Uh, any well, other thoughts? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm screwed in tout then. There you go. AL only. <laughs> I need speed. Yeah, it's it's something you get. Mono leagues are, of course, much more different than <laughs> than mixed. Uh, it, it's it's also about the uh, just getting the at bats in mono leagues. That, that's so important. But you have to also know the super twos haven't hit yet. Meaning the players, the minor leaguers, the pros, some other prospects haven't been brought up yet. So there is still a possibility that you'll get more playing time out of those guys and get stolen bases out of those guys. So want to talk about some or- unorthodox strategies 
changing strategies midstream. But before we do that, it's time for the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. So just like Ariel mentioned, we are going to talk about some unorthodox strategies or changing your strategies from year to year, how you go about taking on your team during the course of the season. Now, I'm going to give you two player stat lines, two pitcher stat lines from this year. I want to see if you can name that pitcher, okay? Two stat lines for the entire season, cumulative stats. Can you name that pitcher? One pitcher has 31 innings, 34 strikeouts, three wins, 2.61 ERA, .94 whip. The second pitcher, 31 innings, like the first one, 42 strikeouts, four wins, 2.61 ERA, just like the first one, with a .81 whip. Can you name those two starters? Are you asking me? Is this? Is, am, yes. am I supposed to answer this one yes, here? If, yes, if you can. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I want to say um, ah, the one with the 41 strikeouts, I want to say is Kevin Gossman. And... The other one, I want to say it's Corey Kluber. Like, you know, just really disgusting and, and go with that. Am I, am I on either one of them? No, you're not. Ariel, what do you, you want to take a stab at it? I'm going to guess Scherzer. Scherzer is one of them. Scherzer is the one with the 42 strikeouts. All right. But this other pitcher pitched the same amount of innings, exact same ERA, and a slightly higher whip. Who's the second pitcher? How many strikeouts does he have? 34 in 31 innings. Oh, I think I know. Go ahead. Guess you also. Take a second guess. Go ahead. I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll wait until Ariel makes his guess. No, no. no go, wanna... go go first. Go first. Uh, I want to say it's 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 Manoa. It's Is it Manoa? Manoa? It's not Manoa. It's not Manoa. Did you mention him already? Is it Chris Bassett? It is Chris Bassett. <laughs> Those pitchers are so similar. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we're going to talk about unorthodox strategies. And something that I did in TGFBI and something I've never done before is taking pocket aces. And that's a strategy I've never tried before. And it's something that it changes how you go about the entire uh, draft process and how you go about during the course of the season. During the course of the season now, I'm going to be taking less pitchers because I feel more comfortable because I took Max Scherzer in the second round after taking Garrett Cole in the first round. And my third pitcher, I waited to the 10th round for Chris Bassett. So I bunched up on all my hitting during the, other, during that, uh, during the, the remaining eight rounds so that was my plan and it just changes from any other league i'm in because i've never done that before and it's just very hard to do that howard have you ever attempted an unorthodox strategy just like this from the get-go and how did it work out um so all right so i i haven't done anything i i would say i haven't done anything unorthodox um recently right but when I was when I was playing uh, fantasy baseball in the uh, in the mid to late '90s, um, I was in a league where I was just like, you know, that that was a time where where like closers were just crazy dominant, right? You had guys, multiple guys, 40, 50 saves in a in a in a year, um, good solid strikeout numbers, very low ratios, um, and so I just I I punted. Um, strikeouts and wins completely and said here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna because you know it was an auction too i was like and and closers weren't you know considered like you know high-end guys so um i ended up uh it was a blind bid auction which is probably most key in this because what i did was i went after uh you know like 
dollar, two dollar, three dollar blind bids on all of these relievers, um, and I skipped out on all the starting pitching, and then I put all of my money, like all of my money, on uh, on offense and going after like you know at that point I guess it was like your your Vladimir Guerrero and your Manny Ramirez and your Barry Bonds and your Ken Griffey uh, Juniors. And so I like I literally I think I spent um, a total of like twelve dollars on pitching, that like the first year I did it, uh, and the rest of my budget on uh, on offense, and uh, and I did it right because there was no innings minimum uh, back then in 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 my leagues they weren't you know hounding on that, and uh, and I ended up I, I won three out of the five pitching categories and my offense was just so unbelievably dominant. That I was in the top three in every offensive category right off the bat. And I did that then for like two, three straight years in that league until finally they were, uh, then they, they added the rule of, uh, of not allowing me to go all, all closers there. Yeah. That's the old uh, Larry Labadini plan where you just spend like, you know, nine, ten dollars on, on pitching. Um, I used to do, uh, when I used to do drafts way back, uh, it was it was thought of as unheard of to pick a pitcher in the first two three rounds. You know, starting pitcher in the first three rounds. What? And now, of course, you know if you don't come out of the first two rounds with a starting pitcher, you're crazy. Uh, but um, I used to pick Chris Carpenter and Mariano Rivera every year. I'm just gonna lock down the best pitcher in baseball at that time and lock down the best closer in baseball. And boom, I had my base, and you know, then I chipped away offense, offense, offense. After that, which is sort of a strategy that I do now, uh, but I started doing that before. It was cool, and uh, I, I used to do well with that one. But in general, I don't like to attempt unorthodox strategies. The only thing I will say is that sometimes you're in a draft or an auction, and you get to a point where it it looks like, oh my god, I got no speed. Oh my god, I got no saves. And then you got to make it, or my my batting average is terrible. Then you got to make a determination. You know what? Should I punt the category? So sometimes I'll pivot mid draft or mid, uh, you know, in the middle of the auction and say, all right, screw it. I'm just gonna gonna load up on the rest. Uh, forget about that, and you know, just go with that. But I I don't like to do unorthodox strategies. Uh, Ruben, what about you? Well, I'm thinking, is it too early now to to think about punting categories? I mean, if you had two closers and they both got injured and you speculated on other closers, do you at this point punt saves? I mean, you can do what you did. I mean, way back when, I, I remember watching you do that because we were a lot on those teams a lot together. We used to pick Logan Webb in like the first or second round and people thought we were nuts. Um, Brandon Webb. Brandon, Brandon Webb. Webb. Sorry, Logan Webb is actually still pitching now. So it's Brandon Webb who pitched one game, one season, or sorry, like two innings, and then yeah, was out for the entire out, season. I remember that because we had him on almost every team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, when talking about whether you want to do it at this point in the season during the draft is one thing, but at this point, um, I it's is it too early to start thinking about punting? It's not, I don't think so. I mean, if you think you can crush the other categories and you're doing well in the other categories at this point, I think you may want to consider punting just because if your ERA is shot or or, or your whip is shot and you just want to throw up uh, two star pitchers out there and get your strikeouts, hopefully get some wins out of that. You know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to do that. Howard, what do you think? Do you think you could start punting categories at this point? Um, I know I think it's too early to start punting a category right now. I think that <clears throat> you can still fight to fix it. Like if you're talking about fixing your ratios and stuff like that, 
um, you don't you don't have to just go full blown and and go for wins and strikeouts. You can repair you can repair your ratios and you can do it on the on the relative cheap too. If you can you know if you if you can mine through some of the uh, the middle relievers or some of the swingmen. Uh, you know, who will like, you know, eat two or three innings on, uh, on some teams, like, you know, a team like the Rays who, you know, or, you know, anybody who uses an opener, uh, or limits guys traditionally to, you know, four or five innings at this point in the season. I think you can kind of fix that. I don't like to punt too early. You know, you get to a, a certain point though, right? Like in, in, in a month's time from now, like, you know, to, to go with your, like your June 1st where you're worrying about the categories. If I'm sitting there in June and it looks like I can only lose at most a point if I punt the category, but if I don't if I look at it and I don't I don't think I can gain more than two or three points, um then yeah, then I will uh, th- then then I'll consider punting that category and uh, and just trying to you know, work something else. But I, again, the ratio categories are the, the hardest for me to just punt because I do think that you can fix them. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it, like you said, Howard, it's more about the marginal gains you can get. Not, oh, I don't have any state. I don't have any saves. I don't have any steals. It, it, can you gain any points? You know, are people close to you or are they not close to you? Um, you have to make a determination at some point. Uh, it's probably too early, a month into the season, but you know, again, if you have zero saves and the next lowest person has 15 saves, it's not too early to say, okay, let's not even try. Uh, you really have to check your categories and see what the marginal gain is uh, from that point, and then you can make the determination. I know we, we did this once, Ruvain, in the NFBC, where we were we were doing terribly. We had Noah Syndergaard, who was like out for the year with a lat. We, we had a couple of uh, starting pitchers that just blew up. Uh, we also lost a couple people to injury, so we, we basically our starting staff was decimated, and our ERA was torched. And so we said uh, uh, the only thing going for us though on pitching was our closers. We had about four, three or four closers, so we were in solid lead. So we said, you know what? How are we going to maximize our pitching points? Let's just forget about ERA and WHIP. Let's just throw volume. Just pick any two-star pitcher, any pitcher, anybody who's pitching a high uh, inning start, in, uh, high innings per start. And just throw them in. We'll gain in strikeouts. We'll gain wins. And that actually took five months to do. And lo and behold, we actually finished in second place. We did that because our offense was good and our ratios were shot. And we said, you know what? We can punt the two categories. Or at least or at least we said, you know what? We're not going to fix the ratios by normal volume. We're going to only fix the ratios by throwing a lot of volume and hope that, that our next guys are better and can take us down. So you never know when it's too early. Always look at your specific situation. Um, it's probably too early a month into the season, as Howard said, but somewhere in the middle of May, you're going to have to make a determination of how do you maximize your points? How do you maximize your hitting points? How do you maximize your pitching points? Switch starters. Switch people batting. If, if stolen bases aren't getting for you, Throw an extra guy who hits homers. Uh, batting average is so low. Who cares if you throw in uh, uh, batters who don't get on base? You know, uh, you always determine your own league. It's there's no one right answer. It's always situation determ- determinant. But uh, you know, be the gauge yourself on it. Well, and I have a question for you because this is one of our leagues that we have right now, the NFBC league that we're in. We have four saves right now for the entire season. Four. Okay, we're ranked twelfth. There's a team who's tied with us. There's a team that has two saves and a team that has zero saves. 
is it worth it for a team like that? Like we have the top team has 22 saves and we have four. The teams above us, we're going to need to gain at least five or six saves just to get to the middle of the category to gain any points. Do you continue to, should we continue to play our closers at that point? Do you start throwing out the middle relievers more? Do you start just going to starters? What what would you do in a situation like that? I mean, we only, only a couple saves will help. And we had Ryan Presley who was injured. So that's the reason why we're really down. I think it's too early in, in that scenario. Don't look at the top. Like the fact that the top has 22 and we have four, top doesn't matter. It matters if we can gain points on the next four or five guys, right? You agree with that, Howard? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, I, I think you said four or five uh, saves, you know, a jump on that, which, you know, takes some time to to accrue depending on, on what they have. But if you have Ryan Presley coming back, um, and he's obviously going to just jump right in, back into that role. Um, yeah, I would I would continue to do that. I, I think in a, in a month's time, you're, you're going to be looking at it, Reuven, and you're going to be like, look at that, middle of the pack and saves, glad I didn't punt. Yeah, I agree. Um, talking about trading players, because a lot of times, and I was talking with you uh, the other day, uh, Howard, that you know people constantly ask me, and, and they ask you also, hey, uh, I'm really desperate, I'm doing bad, should I trade this guy for this guy? And almost always the answer is, why in the world are you forcing this lousy trade right now? The guy will turn it around. Uh, don't panic right now. Do you think that it's too early to be in desperation to trade players? Obviously, if there's a good trade, you're going to want to do it, but... When do you feel the need that you got to make a trade to get it going? It's not now. When is it for you? Um, <clears throat> I guess it really kind of depends on the player right now, right? Like, I mean, if I've got a guy who I genuinely don't believe in and I want to sell high, and, and then obviously the longer you're holding on to him, the the, the bigger the risk that you, that you run. Like Reuven right now, I mean, yeah, I, I wish there was trading – um, in uh, in TGFBI because I'd love to see what kind of offers would come his way for for Byron Buxton like a player like that I am I'm dying to trade because people have you know incredibly high you know opinions of him and uh, and and want to give the world for it so if it's a sell if it's a true sell high guy I'm trying to think of somebody else. Taylor Ward I'll, Taylor Ward I, I I I like what he's doing right now but I don't necessarily believe that. He's going to sustain uh, this level of play. Is he really? Is he that much of a you know the the late bloomer that uh, that suddenly we're we're you know we're we're watching Taylor Ward? Um, so those guys like right now, I want to try and trade those guys probably right about now because I don't want to see either one of them go into a, a into a cold spell um, at all. But like if I'm looking for like if I'm just you know dealing with injuries right now. And the question is, is do I trade Juan Soto for, you know, a three for one trade or, you know, or, or, or try to squeeze some extra value out of it? That that kind of a move there, I don't do until much later on in the season. Like, I mean, it's got to be like the dog days of summer and, and the move really has to it has to kind of guarantee me the win there. I don't I don't really like trading, you know, big time guys unless I absolutely have to. I think that uh, it also depends on where you are and how much risk you want to take on. So I, somebody asked me on Twitter, I got offered Charlie Morton for Kopech. Uh, do I take it? I think it really depends. Like a case like Morton, Morton looks bad. Maybe it's injury. Maybe he just needs a little bit more time to recover. I don't know. Morton, obviously, his upside is very high. We can see that he's a fantastic pitcher. Um 
in a case like that, you have to look at the risk in your team. If you have a very good, solid team, and you're just saying, okay, well, um, should I take on Morton for Kopech? Well, I wouldn't take that risk. There's a risk that he's going to still be terrible. There's the upside. I wouldn't take on risk when you're doing well. If you're in 14th place out of 15, I would take that trade because what are you going to do, fall out of 14th place to go to 15th if it doesn't work out? You need right. a bump. <laughs> you need some something to ignite you, and maybe it's buying low on Morton, right? Like I think it matters where you are in the standing in terms of riskiness of taking on trades. That, does that make sense, Howard? That makes complete sense. Absolutely. I agree with you uh, 100%. I want to disagree with you about something, Ariel, but yeah. you know what? I, I truly value your opinion on a lot of this stuff. And I think, you know, it's great to it's great to like have the strategy stuff that you guys are throwing down here to keep people from falling from jumping off the ledge. Like that's that's the crazy thing. Like, you know, and, and, and you know, like you said, we get these questions all the time from people. And I, I guarantee you, Reuven, you probably uh, get them as well when you start hearing people, you know, where they're, um, <clears throat> you know, not so much the, uh, the 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 sell high, you know, or whatever, but more of like, do I give up on, you know, I'm getting this offer for this guy and he's off to a slow start. And is that going to happen? And we see people just kind of make these panic trades because they don't, they don't grasp the, the the amount of volatility that you do see in, you know, even in your standings in the first month, first month and a half, almost two months of the season there. So, you know, that's one of the things. What I also hate, and here you go, this is a pet peeve of mine, because I know that we're going to be talking frustration a little bit. Here's a pet peeve of mine. When somebody comes to me and they say, should I make this trade? And they're basically, they're, they're trading speed for power because they're doing well in stolen bases and they're doing lousy in power. And, uh, and, and, you know, should I trade speed for power? Yeah, go ahead. If that's what you want to do, if you have the extra speed to spare, go ahead, you know, deal that guy. And then they come back a week later and they're like, mm, man, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't feel like I have like enough speed. You know, my guy keeps getting caught stealing, you know, Starling Marte is getting caught stealing left and right. What am I going to do? And then they turn around and they make a trade like just the following week where they trade power for speed and they completely negate what they're doing they're not giving their time their players time enough to 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 play and that's something that kind of frustrates me when they churn over the roster too much and trading trading power for speed at this point you don't have that big of a cushion in power to be able to trade at this point it's still so early on in the season the standings are still bunched together you're not going to get you're not going to gain that much not only that if you trade the power away that person you trade it to may even pass you later on which totally negates what you're trying to do you have to get the the plus minus ratio on what's going on and there's no reason at this point in the season to force a trade if a trade comes to you where you think that you can gain in certain categories and it's not hindering you by giving this player to the other team then by all means but there's no reason to force a trade unless like Aro, like you said if you're in 14th or 15th place then you got nothing to lose at this point right because if you're falling behind you want to try to salvage something or if it's in a keeper league already and you want to try to help and, and try to trade for keepers although it's a little too soon to do that also yeah i want to come back to B- byron buxton you know byron buxton is a risky player he he plays all out he gets injured quite a bit these uh soft tissue hamstring injuries all the time you know if He's certainly per on a per game basis fantastic, but if you're sitting in first second place right now, I would not seek to acquire Buxton. Even if you think a trade is even or even in your favor, it's just the risk. You don't don't take on risk when you're in a good spot. Just take on bankable volume. And to me, 
Buxton is not bankable volume. Bankable talent per game, but not bankable volume. It's a game of volume. If you actually sort on the number of points in, in hitting uh, and, and you sort on the number of at-bats of a team in hitting, it's the same. Like the, the, the more at-bats you accumulate, almost always that's the number of points you're going to get in pitching, in hitting. Same thing on pitching. It, it, the team that has the most innings pitched usually is the team that's acquiring the most points in pitching. So it's volume, volume, volume. Don't hinder it with, with Buxton. And Howard, I'm I'm 100% with you. If this was a, a TJ Fair with a trading lead, true trading league, I would trade Buxton as soon as I get an offer for a power hitter because I feel that I'm weak in that. And Buxton, I had him out for for a week, and then all of a sudden he comes back, he hits all these home runs, he's on my bench, can't do anything about it. And then he comes back and he's missing a day here, missing a day there. And right now my whole offense is basically based on him. If he runs, then it's great. But at this point, I'm I may have an issue because my offense relies on him, and and he's such an injury risk that. If if I had the opportunity, I'd be busting out there on the on the trade block this minute. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I write the article every week, you know, every year I do it, and you know, it, it's in the uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, like two weeks ago in the uh, it was oh that's right, so I wrote it three weeks ago for the New York Post, right, and then Buxton got hurt the the morning I wrote the article to submit, so I ended up having to shelf that article and you know bang something out uh for that but then you know then buxton goes you know and he, and he misses a uh he misses a, a full week and uh and then he comes back and he, and he starts raking immediately right and finally comes back i'm like boom i gotta recycle this article again here because you know and and, and you know people kind of confuse it when you sit there and you talk about i want to trade this guy I don't, I don't you know i don't believe that he's gonna you know stay healthy they think i'm running down the player I think you described it perfectly, Ariel, right? He's a guy who plays all out, leaves it all out on the field. I love guys like that. I respect guys like that. When I'm, you know, as a baseball fan, I, I love it. Buxton's got, he's got a solid hit tool, right? He, he leaves it all out on the field. You, he never half-asses it. And you've got to respect a player who does that time and time again. But that's not great for fantasy because he's injury prone and we you know a guy who plays all out like that puts himself at a greater risk for reality i love it do it you know make it happen but from a fantasy standpoint you you know you just you know it's going to happen year after year you see it time and time again doesn't mean i hate the player i love the player i love the talent level but i i cannot do it and uh and and you know i used to sit and, and draft Byron Buxton in like the eighth, ninth, 10th round uh, every year because I knew that he was going to be a great guy to trade. Uh, and now, you know, the price tag for him, I, I, what, what, what round did you get Buxton in? Like in, in, in the fifth round, maybe? Uh, fifth, let me look. Right? Let me look that up. I got Buxton in the fifth round. Yes, I got him in the fifth round. And if I can get a fifth round talent back in a trade for him, I would 100 oh, yeah. percent do it. But well, how about this question? If Buxton lasts this entire season and stays healthy the rest of the season, are you going to still feel the same way about him next year? I have to. I mean, listen. Just because he played one season, one full season in five, doesn't mean that that's like the plateau for him, right? I mean, I I can't. I, you know, if he if he puts together a second fully healthy season, well, then I have to, you know, then I have to eat some crow. But I mean, I have to go with what the what the data is showing me right now. And because let's face it, when guys get older and play more games, 
<laughs> they don't get younger and stronger, right? I mean, so, you know, it's it's definitely uh, worrisome at that point. I think the real question to ask me uh, with regard to a player like this is, am I done drafting Eloy Jimenez? Yeah, it's the same type of thing here. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, uh, certainly if we see uh, a year, two years of health after it, well, then we see the risk reduced. But until we see that, these are high-risk uh, high players. I, I'm not drafting Eloy just because I'm probably not going to get the stats. When he's there, he's phenomenal. But, uh, you know, if he's not, then there you go. By the way, what is uh, Matthew Berry's uh, old baseball uh, uh, saying? Never hustle, right? He always used to say, don't, you know, never hustle. It just hurts me. You could get injured. Uh, it's true. Players who <laughs> hustle, bad. That's what the Yankees did last year. They told um, uh, Giancarlo Stanton to run at 80% or 40% or 60% just so he wouldn't get hurt running so they can keep his bat in the lineup. And it worked. And, yeah. they, and they kept him out of the outfield for as long as they could uh, just to keep him healthy because if he's not playing, if he's injured, he can't do anything for you. And that that's that's the whole meaning of, of running at 80% instead of 100%. Like um, earlier this week, the Mets were playing the Braves. Acuna hit a ground ball to the shorts to the third baseman. If he was running full out, he could have made it 100%. But he knows his body. He knows he's coming back from something. And he didn't bust it out in the very beginning. And you know what? He would have beaten it out if he busted. But he also may have re-injured himself. And that's something you you want the player on the field. And if, yes, they do, they go the extra effort to make it to, you know, to go the 120% that they're going, great. But if he's to the point of detriment, you don't want him doing that. So talking, uh, talking about frustration, going to name a, a couple of situations that you might have on your fantasy baseball team and maybe you guys can tell us which is the most frustrating for you which is the least frustrating for you one is having a ton of injured players on your roster two would be getting blown up by a pitcher uh let's call it getting gombered right you take a fringe pitcher oh he's got a good start and all of a sudden he he bombs and it crushes your ERA how about um, missing out on a player who had a good start? So you sat somebody and, oh, no, he had a good start. Or maybe he had a three-homer week. How about overbidding on fab? Does that frustrate you? What about missing out on a player by not bidding enough fab? Oh, I lost the guy by $2. Which one of these things frustrates you more and which you don't really care about, Howard? Um, Man, right? Is there an all-of-the-above kind of a situation here? <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, so the one that frustrates me the most are the injured players because there's nothing you can do about it. Guys get hurt. That's just the way it happens. And if you get a team that gets completely sacked by injuries, that's, you know, that, that's just the, the way it goes. I mean, you know, you can't do anything about it. It puts you behind the eight ball, especially when it happens to a top guy. I mean, just for this year alone right now, off of five teams in total here, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Riley Green, Jacob deGrom, Shane Boz, Jack Flaherty, Chris Bryant, Lance Lynn, Josh Rojas, and Yoan Moncada. Eight guys right there that have gone down, uh, you know, some on multiple teams for me. But I mean, if they were, if, if I were to get the, the usual or the expected production out of, uh, out of some of these names, um, you know, these, these teams would look light years differently. So the fact that I can't do anything about that, that's really um, what, what, you know, what frustrates me the most. Um, I do get a little annoyed uh, as far as the, um, the, the overbidding on, on Fab 
you know, especially if you're playing in a in a in a fab league where you don't really, you know, you're maybe you're new to the league or you don't know the 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 people all that well. You don't have an extensive experience with them, so you don't often know, you know, what their what their bidding practices are. Um, and then you know, and and then you end up like overbidding on uh, on a couple of guys, and that's just you know that that bugs me. But not as not it's it's just not that's correctable. Like all you have to do is just kind of pull back and and just leave it at that. Um, and if you miss out on a couple of guys, okay, fine. But you know, chances are is that you'll find middle ground there. Injured players not being able to do anything about it. That's just that's the worst. Yeah, moving. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not as concerned of the injured players as opposed more to the COVID list because injured players, I expect players to get hurt. It's been happening more and more in the last couple of years. It's the COVID list when people are going on. You don't know when they're coming off. They don't tell you anything about it, and you can just keep them on your roster, and you have no clue what's going on. So I'm, that's, that's the only aspect of the injured part, and hopefully next couple of years that'll go away. We don't have to worry about that as much. What bothers me the most is missing out on a good start from from a player because a lot of times we miss I miss it out or Ariel you miss out we miss out together on our teams because we overthink things and sometimes overthinking is not a good thing sometimes you just have to go with consistency and just keep the same guy in in the in the in the in the, in the, in the lineup we have Joey Gallo on the team and we're thinking about sitting him a couple for a couple weeks and we haven't because we thought you know what we got him to hit home runs we're either gonna live with him or we're gonna die by them that he's not gonna hit home runs we kept him in the league we kept him in the lineup and he started hitting home runs for, for a, a couple not a lot but he was being joey gallo so you know that's the worst part I, I just can't stand that and howard you mentioned about overbidding on fab i've noticed that in our tgfbi league you did that just a little bit the last couple of weeks i don't know if you noticed you, yeah that. because i i you know again i was also <laughs> and here you go you want to talk about covid frustrations here so i i went away for a week right and i uh, and i was on vacation and you know, and, and I and I looked in on Fab that you know that week, and I was like, okay, there weren't anything you know anything crazy that I that I, I thought I really had to do. But the following week, I also I, I came back from vacation dripping with COVID, and it thumped me right. I mean, it really you know I, I'm double vaxxed with a booster, and it's still just uh, it waylaid me, and uh, and I was like, you know, all right, I gotta try and like stay awake for this fab but i can't let you know guys slip away and i did and i overbid and i don't i'm not i'm not going to use i don't want to use the excuse of vacation and them being sick um the excuse you know the 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 lamenting is not you know not being as focused as i should have been and and i did that in tgfbi i also did that uh the same week in uh in tout wars al where I like, you know, I overbid on guys because I thought that people were going to be trying to collect some at bats. Well, I hope you're feeling a lot better, Howard. And I like this strategy of uh, if you overbid, then uh, just blame it that uh, you have COVID. So uh, <laughs> blame, it, just, uh... blame it on on the vid. I, well, you know, I mean, it's funny. So Adam Ronis and I were sitting there, and we were talking about yeah. that on the Annie Up podcast, right? We were talking about um, how we're seeing guys who are out for like two, three weeks. And then there are guys who are out for like the minimum time, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. that that's the frustration. Like right, Francisco Mejia, he's been out forever, right? And and yep. it's you know so that's I get I get Ruben's frustration with that because yeah, you really you don't know how it's gonna hit people, and of course you know you could sit there and go with the whole vaccinated versus unvaccinated, and and you know try and make heads or tails out of that, but just the way it hits people differently. Um, 
yeah, it really just kind of kind of hurts things because you can come back from it and you could still be, you know, kind of kind of taxed and your bat speed's not the same, your pitch mixes, you know, your your uh your velocity might be, you know, down a tick or two. So, it's really that that that's definitely, you know, but again, you categorize that as a, as an injury. I'd put that as an injury, sure. I can definitely see why Ruvain's frustrated because when you know when Ruvain sees a hamstring issue, a bone issue, whatever, he knows when they're going to come back. But for COVID, he's got no idea yeah. because we mm-hmm. don't get the information, right? Is it seven days? Is it twenty-one days? We don't know, so he can't even predict it. So it's frustrating for for him on the injury side. Uh, I'm I'm with Howard on this. The most frustrating thing is injuries because you just cannot control it. You can't do better. What are you going to do? This guy get hit, gets hit by a pitch. What are you going to do? Uh, you know, you can't. You can't control it. And for teams that you are overloaded with injuries, this might not be your fault why you're doing poorly. And there's nothing you can do about it other than, you know, you know, try to trade, try to do this, or, you know, decide who to cut, decide, you know. But uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And I, I love playing in the NFBC, but I really believe that they should have an IL. With the number of injuries these days, why don't you at least give an extra bench spot for a player uh, uh, to, to to go on the IL? Like, what well, uh, if I have seven? If I have seven guys, all my bench guys on the IL, why is that fair to me? And now I have to actually drop somebody. It seems that the fairness of it should be corrected by an IL. And of course, then they they tell me, well, you know, we you can do. We don't want to take up too much of the player pool. It's too deep. Well, then make it six bench spots and an IL. Just make it a little bit more fair. But anyways, uh, 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 injured players for sure are the most frustrating. I actually am not frustrated at all by overbidding on Fab. I mean, if, if I'm bidding on a player and I want him, I'm not frustrated. I'm bidding a number that I think is a good return on investment on the player. If I thought that, oh, my God, I just got to bid whatever I want, that's reckless. I'm bidding on a player that I think is going to be worth the money that I'm bidding. So if nobody else wanted to bid that, I'm happy because now I got the player. doesn't bother me. If I get outbid a player by, by a dollar or two, that's probably a little bit more frustrating because you know, you're know you not guessing the exact dollar, exact percentage. But I'm not bothered at all if somebody outbids me by $50. Okay, so that's fine. He wants to take him for that. I'll take him for whatever number I think is a better return on investment. You know, so there you go. And as far as um, you know, not starting a player who who has a good week or starting a player bombs, you know, to me, it's just about you finding the right strategy. If you're changing your lineup too much and you're ending up making the wrong guesses more, then you shouldn't be doing that. You should self-correct. You should have rules on yourself. Train yourself. Okay, if a player is above a certain level, always play them. If not, do the better matchup. And if if that's not working, you need to adjust yourself on how to do it. It's not frustrating. It's something that you should be improving on. Let me hit you with one fr- thing, and, and just your level of frustration. Let me ask you guys this. Um, I don't know if either of you have Otani, but sitting there and watching Otani go seven scoreless with 11 strikeouts and look absolutely dynamic, uh, and, and knowing that you're in a, a weekly roster move league, and it was a one-start, it's, it's always a one-start week with a, a six-man rotation, basically. Um, leaving, a, leaving a start like that from Otani on the bench for the uh, for the offensive numbers what's more frustrating uh, having to make the decision with Otani or just being in a weekly league yeah I I hear that um personally it, it, I think if you drafted Otani in a weekly league 
you've basically made the decision that if it's a two-start week, I'm starting Otani. If it's a one-start week, I'm not starting Otani. And yes, I might miss out on a lot of good pitching because he is definitely a rosterable fantasy pitcher. You're just making that decision before the season starts. So you should not be frustrated at all because that was part of the original plan. No, it's frustrating watching you, the misstart. It's, it is, as I watched it today. But but not only that for Otani, you're not draft. If you're drafting him as your second pitcher, then you shouldn't be sitting him. If you're drafting him as your third pitcher, then you shouldn't be sitting him. If you're drafting him as your fourth, fifth, or sixth pitcher, and you feel like you have a two star pitcher you want to throw out there instead, that's not necessarily a bad idea. But if you can throw out a one four star a one number four pitcher instead of Otani, and you don't because you don't like the matchup, then maybe you are overthinking things too much, and that may be the issue. I mean, if 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 you're if you drafted Otani in a weekly league, you're drafting him to hit, to right? hit, yeah. That's yeah. In 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 the league that I have yeah. him, that I I sat there and watched, it was just yes, I drafted him, right, uh, knowing that I was probably going to be leaving him as my utility guy more often than not. Right. So basically, in this type of a weekly league, the Otani pitching stats go to nobody. Period. Because whoever drafting him is is not going to pitch him. Unless there's a two-start week, or if it's a short week then and he's pitching, then you're drafting him. But essentially, his stats are just not available to the entire player pool uh, because no one's no one's playing that way. Um, so I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be frustrated. It, it's it, it, What's more frustrating is the rules that you can't use them at all for both or, or the daily, you know, that you have weekly instead of daily. But, uh, you know, just because he does good is better. Um, what I would be worried about with Otani, if you have him, is that his pitching stats are correlated with his hitting stats. If he gets hurt as a pitcher, he's hurt as a hitter also. In fact, he has more chances of getting hurt, right? Because if he's hurt while pitching, that means you lose all his hitting stats. And so he's double exposed. So there's a risk factor in there, right? So, um one one more question about about um, you know frustration and all that is you know you're you're an expert Howard and you know you give out advice on a daily basis. Um, do you worry that you know giving advice might actually hurt your ability to do well in fantasy leagues? Maybe people employ strategies against you or uh, whatever the cause is. Like how do you balance playing being playing and and being the expert and and doing that? Um, you know. Listeners, subscribers, readers—they always come first for me. I'm just—I've—I've I've never been that guy. You know, you see sometimes, you know, people like accuse DFS guys of holding plays back so they could use them themselves. Um, I've, you know, and 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 I've seen guys who, you know, are are you know hesitant to you know dole out the uh, the 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 free advice like that. My feeling is this is my job, right? This is what my job is not to. You know, to to analyze this stuff, my job is to make you a better fantasy player. Like that's why you subscribe. You read my commentary. You read my eva- player evaluations. You ask me for advice. And that's that's what my job is. So um, if if I'm you know worried about my own leagues more than I am about helping you, then you know I really shouldn't be. I shouldn't be in this business, right? I, I shouldn't, you know, or at least just not communicate with the public uh, on social media. So for me, it's it's always the uh, the people come first. And listen, if I'm playing in leagues with them and everybody's drafting my favorite guys and whatever, I ha- it forces me to change strategies and to do things, uh, m- you know, much differently from what I would usually do with them. And so it gives me an opportunity to try out new, you know, new things. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, to me, it's, uh, it's yeah, people first. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, uh, Ruben, anything to add? Yeah, we had that issue when we drafted, when we did our auction in NFBC. We knew people listened to us while, uh, and they're in their dra- in a draft, and we see, okay, look, they're following our strategy. They're doing what we want to do. So when they were zigging, we had to zag, otherwise we would not get the players that we wanted. We wouldn't be, we would have actually left money on the table if we didn't do what we did. So we actually changed our strategy during the course of the auction. We do that, and just because we say these players that we we're going to go through like the waiver wireless and stuff like that, we can mention these players, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be picking them up in every single league. It's always league dependent and we're always going to take the guys that we think will fit our team the best. And some of these guys may not even be available in our leagues because a lot of these guys we may have taken ourselves earlier on just because we had a hunch on these guys. Yeah, no, I, I, that's true. I, I never give bad advice and I always give the best advice I can. I mean, that's just my feeling. Uh, to me, I, I was a fantasy baseball player first before I was uh, an expert or a writer or whatever. Um, I The stuff that I write about, stuff that I talk about, is just stuff that I, I do. Uh, so to me, it's one and the same. I do find, though, it does hurt myself in, in, in auctions or drafts because a lot of people, especially with the ATC projections, and I, I see people uh, on their screens, they're, they're using them. So they sort of have our game plan here. Uh, so that does hurt us a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. It's about... To me, winning now is less about finding the players, but more about knowing how to value players and how to put together a team in aggregation, how to de-risk a team, and so on and so forth. Uh, let's do waiver wire here. Uh, let's, we'll talk about a couple players, each that maybe you want to pick up this week on the waiver wire. Howard, who's a, a player or two that uh, you think we should be looking at this week? Hmm. You know, I mean, obviously it depends on how deep your, your league is or anything like that. If you're in a, a shallow league, you're sitting in a, in a, in a 10 team or somewhere, uh, and you need saves Joe Barlow. I mean, so many people dropped him, uh, you know, because he just, because Woodward wasn't giving him the work. So Barlow's a guy there, but you know, for me, I, I really, I, I feel like now is the time that if you can get Nolan Gorman off of your waiver wire, like now I think is the time to stash him. And maybe it takes another week or two before, um, you know, uh, Oliver um, Marmel, the uh, the manager for the for the Cardinals, uh, before he wakes up and realizes that, you know, Paul DeYoung is just, I mean, he's like almost an automatic out at the plate at this point. His defense isn't, at, you know, so great that it would hold down a situation where you could move Tommy Edmond over to short and bring up Nolan Gorman and let this kid just, you know, play second base and just, you know, wreck the ball. So I feel like this is uh, this is going to be one that's going to be uh, more imminent than anything else. So if you want to stash Nolan Gorman, I would do it. That's a great pick. Ruvain? I actually have two picks here. Um, the first I'm going to say... Um, with, with a little caveat that he's already one for 13 to start the season. That's Jose Miranda. He was a top prospect for the for the Minnesota Twins. He's going to get a lot of playing time now at third base because Miguel Sano is out. He had surgery for, for his knee. He's going to be out at least up to five weeks, four or five weeks. And Luis Arias was placed on the COVID list. So when you just think that Arias will get a whole bunch of playing time now with, with Sano out, He's not going to. So Jose Miranda will get playing time. And even though he started one for 13, like I mentioned, he had in the last year in last year in single lane double A, 30 homers with a 344 average. So he has the potential there. He's only 41% owned on CBS leagues. If he's 
he's available right now. He's going to get playing time, even if he's not doing that great. And he's a guy you can take a risk on if you're into prospects like that. Another guy I'm going to mention is 37% on in CBS, and it's Andres Jimenez. If you need speed, he only has one stolen base right now, so his name may not jump up on you when you when you look at the stats and everything. But he's played in 21 games, and he's hitting 333 with two homers and a stolen base. His MO is to steal, and as soon as he and as he keeps that batting average up, he's going to play more and he's going to steal more. Yeah, we have uh, Luis Arias in a bunch of places. I basically own Luis Arias in every deep league because uh, he's just so flexible and just a great batting average. Um, Jose Miranda, it's a good choice. You know, the re- two reasons why I like him also. Number one, he has, a v- he has a very high contact rate. In the minors, it was like 87%. Um, all the projection systems are projecting for an 85% contact rate, which is enormous. So there's a high batting average floor. This is a 260 hitter. Um, the fact that he had uh, started the season one for 13, I think that'll actually turn around quickly. Um, and they're batting him fifth. The Twins are batting him fifth. Um, that shows the confidence they have. Usually guys get called up, bat him seventh, bat him eighth, batting him fifth. So they know they're going to rely on him. So definitely him. Uh, two other quick guys, Harrison Bader, 40% owned on CBS. Uh, I have no idea why he's 40% owned. He's pretty much universally should be owned. He has one homer and six stolen bases in a roto league. Just the six stolen bases alone make him super valuable. And by the way, he should be hitting about 20 or something uh, homers this year. If he gets full playing time, which he looks like he's getting, we're talking 20, maybe 25 homers even. Uh, 25 homers and maybe 10, 15 stolen bases. That's the upside for Harrison Bader. I remember somebody on Fangraphs once called him uh, a possibility to be Mike Trout. Now, that's a little bit far-fetched, but uh, I can see it a little bit. He's definitely worth owning. The other guy just to, to tell you about is MJ Melendez catcher on the Royals, or I should say he's catcher eligible for fantasy purposes. He's only 30% owned in CBS that he brought up, and they're DHing him, so he's a good bat. Uh, if you're in a two-catcher league, I think that this is a must-dart. Unless you've got two good catchers, got to pick him up and see what you can get out of him. And already has a couple of hits in the first couple of games. Anybody else, Dad, guys? You know, I'll throw out, um, you know, Tommy Pham. Right, because I mean, listen, everybody's abandoning the Reds right now, and they they look absolutely terrible. And Jonathan India is out for two weeks, and Joey Votto's got the vid, uh, and we're looking at that. You know, a guy like Tommy Pham. You know, here's the thing that also I, I think a lot of people are, are overlooking. Just when you're talking about the Reds and just how bad they look, and the team that's being fielded, also their first 25 games they've played eight home games only. They've been on the road a bunch. Because when they canceled the first two series uh, of the season, those were home games for the Reds. So they've been on the road. They've been terrible. They're going to get more games um, at home once the season, you know, once once the weather warms up and everything gets nice. Tommy Pham, is a, he's, a, he's a son of a bitch. That's it. He's in it for <laughs> himself, right? Me, 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 me. I'm playing for a contract here. I want to pad my stats. Yes, there's some injury risk that comes with Tommy Pham, but there is power, there is speed, and you know now I think is a, is a time where if he's available, you know, kind of see what happens, you know, grab him and then see what happens and watch over the course of the next week or so, because um, the Reds listen. I granted three wins as a, as the time of of us recording this, um, they aren't going to be this bad forever. Once they start getting some of their guys back. 
they will start planting some runs, especially in Great American Small Park. So power, speed, Tommy Pham, so selfish. He says it. Right? He says it himself. He's like, I'm, I'm here for, you know, for padding my numbers. That's why he's doing it. So I kind of like a guy like that then. Isn't it amazing how what helps us in fantasy are selfish players who care about themselves, but if you hustle, that's awful for our fantasy. Isn't that amazing? The irony should not be lost. It's backwards. Yeah. It's backwards. Right, right. <laughs> it, I, I mean, used to say like, uh, you know, Bartolo Colon, you know, when, oh, he was on steroids. And he used to ask the question, if you know or you suspect a guy is on steroids, does that actually help you or hurt you in fantasy? I think it helps you. Except for I Robinson mean, Cano. That's all. Well, I mean, as, as long as they're playing, yeah, it helps awesome. you, right? They do better. So even though it's not a good thing that they do steroids, obviously, it helps you in fantasy. It's it's odd, but you have things backwards, and, you know, this is one example there. All right, it's time now for our pitcher preview. It's the section where we look at pitchers who face the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who the Pirates are playing this week. All right, Howard. Who you got for a pitcher this week? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, genuinely, I'm picturing you in your Pirates jersey with like the saddest look on your face saying that. <laughs> yeah. In his in his on his Chris, Chris, Chris Archer. Archer jersey. Who, by Chris the way, Archer we jersey. started tonight. I have no idea how he got on our team. Ruben, you'll have to tell me what I was drinking that night. But we actually have Archer in our lineup. I. Uh, goodness why why <laughs> why well, he, didn't, he didn't he didn't pitch that poorly he did pitch four innings only gave up two runs with six strikeouts and the two runs were solo home runs so he didn't actually pitch that poorly i guess <laughs> all right howard who's the pitcher you want? <laughs> he's not budging on this one here <laughs> no um you know who i'm gonna take a shot on for a for a two starter this this coming week um i'm, I'm gonna go after noah Syndergaard. right he's got he's got a a, a home start against tampa bay who is by the time they get to him for that first start there, I mean, the road trip is lengthy um, for the Rays. Um, and then, uh, and then Thor goes up North to Oakland. And I mean, come on, Oakland, really Oakland. Like that's just, you know, Noah Syndergaard. I'm going to take a shot on him uh, as a two-star pitcher this week. And he has Oakland the following week as well. My wife forbids me, by the way, to pick, Noah Syndergaard in any league from now on. She was a big, big Thor fan, and now that she left New York, uh, she's very frustrated. So I'm forbidden. All right, moving. Yeah, well, I got a couple of two-star pitchers that I'm actually interested in and may be available, especially in deeper leagues. Martin Perez, his last three starts, this is for Texas, 20 innings, 13 strikeouts, a .45 ERA. And his next two starts is Kansas City and Boston, which is not too bad. He's only 10% owned in CBS, so he would be available. You want to take a dart? That's, that's a good dart there. And I'm also going to mention the annual month of the Gomber Bomb Week. I'm going to pick Austin Gomber here. He's two start at San Francisco and at home against Kansas City. There's a theme here against Kansas City. His last three starts for Austin Gomber, 18 and two-thirds innings, 20 strikeouts, a 1.93 ERA with a 2-1 record. He's only owned in 27% of CBS leagues. He's a guy that if you're willing to, you know, hopefully not get Gombert, he's a guy you can go after. I'm going to double down another guy who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and it's Michael Pineda. He has two starts this week. You still could 
get him cheap probably because only 31% on the CBS leagues. His two starts are against Oakland and Baltimore, both home games. So it's not that bad of a start for him. And another guy who's a one-star pitcher is Dane Dunning. In the last three weeks, he has 22 strikeouts and 21 innings with a 3-4-3 ERA. His whip is a little high at 1-2-9, but he's only 18% owned, and his one start, again, is against Kansas City. So there's a theme there, as you see, because Kansas City hasn't really begun really hitting that much. Then maybe if you can't get guys who pitch against the Pirates, you can get guys who pitch against the Royals. Moving usually pick uh, somebody that I picked. None of your guys were on my list this week. Interesting. Um, I got three. Chris Paddock is 50% owned. This guy's gaining steam. Uh, he's been fantastic so far. 315 ERA, 110 whip. He's finally got his third pitch, uh, which he hasn't had in his career, and that's really setting up well. Um, he's against Cleveland this week, and then next week he's uh, at Kansas City. So a couple of good starts to roll with. I think Chris Paddock, the Twins are doing fantastic with starting pitching this year. Um, so take a look very seriously at Paddock, who's been always a favorite of us. How about Cole Irvin? Uh, now, he might be injured. I don't know if he's going to make the start, but uh, he's at Detroit this week. And if he is still healthy, two starts against Minnesota and L.A. next week. He has a 2.93 ERA, 1.16 whip, so worth uh, in moderate uh, depth leagues. Uh, and I'll give you one guy who's facing the Pirates, uh, Tyler Anderson on the Dodgers at Pittsburgh. The following week, he's actually against Arizona. So maybe you can even, if he has a good start, maybe you can even keep him the following week. So check him out. All right. Uh, let's do uh, a mailbag question or two. Uh, well, so right away, uh, BPV asks, will I regret dropping Brendan Rogers from Miranda? Uh, I hate these regret questions. I mean, you play the game, you're going to make errors, you're going to make good things. It's, it's, it's whether you do one more or the other. But I, I like Miranda over Rogers, who looks lost. What about you? Um, I, I like Miranda as well. I know, you know, Rogers hitting the home run today is obviously that's that's where the question stems from. I, I right, think that question right. probably hit Twitter about four seconds after Brendan Rogers hit a home run. Of course, of course. Um, yeah. So, you know, listen, I think that there's 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 good power upside with with Miranda. I mean, Reuven gave you a great breakdown of, of, of who he is and and what we can, you know, hopefully expect out of him. Uh, the slow start. It's a slow start. It's no big deal. You know, you just like, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is, is, you know, you churn over that roster, right? You have all that, you get all those garbage stats from Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you turn around and you, um, you know, whatchamacallit, then you get the, the, the bad end of, of Jose Miranda. And it's, it's always tough to kind of pile up like that. But um, listen, I, um, I, I prefer Miranda for sure. Are we three for three, Ruben? I'm going with Brendan Rogers here. Oh. He actually, um, he's still in. He's playing in Colorado. He's he was the number three pick in the draft way back, but he's he was a top 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 prospect. And these top prospects recently have been taking some time to actually get going. So I actually think him because Jose Miranda, he can be a Jared Kalenic this this uh, this year and just not do well at all. Be there for two months, kill your batting average, and then get sent down toward the end when when Sano comes back. So I'm gonna go with Brendan Rogers because we have because we know what we're gonna get out of Brendan Rodgers in the majors while Jose Miranda is still a question mark. I'm disagreeing with you, Ruvain. Um The Rockies are terrible with prospects. Miranda has an 85% contact rate. I, I don't think, I think he'll be fine. So, Even all right. middle infielders, and the Rockies are pretty good with middle infielders. Look at the middle infielders. They got Trevor Story in the past, Troy Tulowitzki. They've had a good track record with middle infielders. 
All right, let's see what, let's see what happens. Uh, board bet here. Uh, uh, Uncle Omar asks, uh, Tatis Jr. was dropped in a 12-team online championship league. What would be your strategy for this week's fab bids? Ooh, what would you do, Howard? I mean, you know, if if you if you find yourself in a position where you know you're like you know top half of the the pack in the standings, and you can you know you think that you've got the the horses to to withstand, um, you know, eating that bench spot and just waiting for Tatis to come back. I I, I you know as a, as a second half surge, I think it's um. You know, it's 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 big. So I think if, if you if you think that you can weather the storm right now, stay near the top part of your standings, um, then yeah, that I'm that I'm gonna be aggressive on Fab to grab Tatis. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I would do. Ruben? I guess I'm gonna have to disagree here. Um, <laughs> I, I actually think that you're only gonna get maybe two and a half months out, maybe three months out of Tatis. And if you break the bank on him, and he, let's say he comes out there, he's still an injury risk. He still has a shoulder injury that hasn't been dealt with. He's been dealing with the with the fracture, so he that hasn't been dealt with. If he gets injured again, you would have blown so much fab on him that it handicaps you the rest of the season. I would still put a bid on him, like a keep honest bid, but I wouldn't break the bank on him. Ruvain, why why can you tell us the Padres did not have him elect to do the shoulder surgery? I mean, you've been telling us that he's going to need it at some point. Why not just do it now? I mean, the Padres, it's going to be tough for them to, to win. They're holding off anyways for most of the year. Why didn't they just do that, get it over with? I think they think that they have a chance of doing well in the league in, in their division this year. If they stay in the division, if, they, if they're not so far out of it when it's time for him to come back, he's going to play. But if they start to fade like they did last year, I think they may, you know, just tell him, get healthy, get better, and they punt this year because it, it, it's, it's, it's a risk that they're taking for this season. They're playing for now. They want to play for now, which is great. But if they see they're not going to get anywhere and there are two teams like the Dodgers and the Giants who are better than them and then they have no shot because their pitching is always injured, then – Maybe you hold off on him and, and let him get completely healthy because he'll always have this hanging over his head until he does the surgery. And that's something that all Padres fans are going to be thinking about until he actually has the surgery. All right, Ruben, what's the rest of your injury update for this week? All right, well, let's start with the Padre. Blake Snell, he had his second minor league rehab start this past week. He could be activated sometime next week, which means that Mackenzie Gore or Nick Martinez may lose out on time. It depends on what the what the Padres want to do there, so we'll see how that works out. Andrew Vaughn was placed on the aisle with a bruised right hand after getting hit by a pitch. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but when people get hit by the pitch on their hand, it can zap their power even when they come back, so that's just something to watch for. Gavin Sheets and Adam Engel may get more playing time in the meantime. Another injured guy who's been out for a long time, that's Kyle Lewis. He had, he hurt his knee last year. He had knee surgery. He's currently doing a rehab assignment, but the GM, Jerry DePoto, actually said that he's going to spend the full 20 days on the rehab assignment. So when he comes back, he's probably going to play because Mitch Haniger does not have a timeline when he's going to come back from his injured ankle. He has a grade 2 spra sprain, which can keep him out up to two months. So if Kyle Lewis is available on your waiver wire, he's a guy you can grab right now because... In a couple, in a week or two, he will be expensive if he's still there because he's going to get a lot of playing time. Two other players I want to mention: Teoscar Hernandez. He should be coming back sometime this weekend. He's in. He's in the course of a rehab assignment. As long as there are no setbacks, it'll be fine. And other people who are coming back this coming week, hopefully, Nick Lodolo. He's set to start this Saturday. Matt Manning. He's on a rehab assignment. He may come back. In the, the following week, Sonny Gray, he made a second rehab assignment. He may be coming back soon. And Yohan Mankata is expected to be activated this Monday. 
There you go. Howard, Yohan Mankata this Monday. Solved one problem. Yeah. <laughs> that really... Um, yeah, I, I, I actually thought that he was going to be back this week, right? Yeah. And I actually, um, activated him. He was ex- originally expected to, to return. I think they were like Thursday for the weekend games. And, and I was like, all right, I can, you know, deal with like, you know, it was either like Nick Gordon or Yohan Moncada. So I was like, ah, let me just activate Moncada. Burned. But he was, he was still dealing with soreness last week. That's why they didn't activate him right away. They wanted to be a hundred percent because they didn't want to re-aggravate it. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, Ruben and I cut, cut Mancata a couple weeks ago in a 10-team league. We've got a tons of third baseman, corner infielders, so like, forget it. We'll, 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 we'll just not deal with him. Uh, but there you go. Um, Howard, thank you so much for, for joining the show today. I thought it was a fantastic discussion on being frustrated and uh, some, some good waiver wire picks for, for this week. Thank you for joining the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Reuven, I'm coming for you in TGFBI. Might take me a little while, but I'll, I'll, I'll make my move. I'll be sitting in seventh place waiting for you. So, Howard, <laughs> we mentioned that you're on uh, uh, SiriusXM. Uh, that's pretty much daily. And uh, you also do the Anti-Up podcast with, uh, with Adam Ronis. Uh, anything else I'm missing? Um, no, uh, weekly column in the New York post. Yes, uh, I read comes that. out on, on the weekends on Saturdays <clears throat> and then, yeah, everything, you know, I, I, uh, I do a daily roundup, uh, and, and, and some MLB best bets, uh, over at, uh, fantasy alarm.com. So, uh, still grinding, baby, still grinding. Absolutely. I was supposed to meet up with you, uh, at, uh, city field, but it got rained out, uh, a couple weeks ago. That was, that was frustrating. We got screwed on that one for sure. Yeah. I, I was very bummed about that. Adam and I were actually talking about that on the Annie Up podcast that we didn't get a chance to uh, to hang out with you at the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, terrible. I, I'm gonna go to my first Met game of the season in a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, that was that's frustrating. What can you do about rain? Rain, uh, rain comes down, and nothing, nothing you can do about it. Just like the injuries, right? Just gotta roll with the punches. It's the injury of the weather. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, that about wraps it up uh, for our show. I uh, want to thank uh, Howard Bender once again for being on the show. Ruvain, as always, on the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. Uh, we will have another great guest, and we'll be on next week. So tune in then. I'm Ariel Cohen. Follow me at ATCNY. And, of course, Ruvain at MLB Injury Guru uh, on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Beat the Shift podcast. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.